everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. <laughs> this is Drew. I'm your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. This is episode 69. Don't worry, everything will be fine. Just listen to episode 69. All right, before I start on episode 69, my last podcast, episode 68, <laughs> got a lot of response. A lot of people said, hey, I wish I would have had a pen and paper while I wrote writing down all of those chemicals that are in our foods that they don't allow in other countries. And yeah, you should. You, 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 you can listen to the podcast again. Just, you know, just a suggestion. You can listen to the podcast for the second time. You're, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to listen to it as many times as you want. And yes, I would suggest the next time you listen to it, have a pen and paper ready and write those chemicals down and memorize them. So you don't ever buy food with those chemicals in them. Do you remember the potato chips? I think it was Lay's that had Olestra. Lay's oh, with Olestra. I remember on the classic Lay's potato chips, it had Olestra. And everybody thought it was the biggest, greatest thing. And then all of a sudden it went away. <laughs> Do you know why? Because one of the bad side effects is uh, severe diarrhea. Yeah, okay. That did work out real well for them. But again, thank you for all the responses to that last podcast. I hope this one you'll find as equally enthralling and interesting as the last. In this episode, we are going to talk about the Chevron Law or the Chevron Deference. For those of you who don't know what that is, I'm going to explain. And then we're going to talk about how Texas is 100% in their constitutional right of defending their border. And we're going to explain the definition of invasion, because that's the reason, the justification for why Texas National Guard are stopping and illegal immigrants and the Border Patrol agents from all gathering in this park where they were all lining up by the thousands in previous weeks to come into this country. And Texas has had enough. And I do not blame them. And like I said, I will explain how they are 100% in the right. All right, then we're going to talk a little bit about Anthony Fauci and what he admitted under oath recently. I think you might find it very interesting. And this year at the World Economic Forum... And the conference in Davos, they're labeling misinformation and disinformation as the single biggest threats the world is facing right now. Gosh, I wonder why. Then we're going to talk about the E. Jean Carroll lawsuit and what it really means. Many people are misinterpreting what happened as an admission or proof of guilt. And that is 100% false. And then the one thing that's going to get me riled up, and you're going to hear what I sound like when I'm riled up. I know I sound like I'm riled up all the time, but this one really bugs me. The president and CEO of United Airlines says that they are going to prioritize DEI in hiring. And I am here to tell you that is going to make the airline less safe. So I'll be talking about that and all the other things I've discovered. Maybe some other things I might say along the line. Oh, by the way, just heard one of the presidential candidates for Republican primary has dropped out today. And today is Sunday, the 21st of January. So for those of you who haven't heard yet, Ron DeSantis has suspended his campaign. He is no longer going to be running for president. And I do not think Donald Trump will bring him on as vice president. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis did a wonderful job in Florida, but he just got in over his head in this national election. And there was, just wasn't enough momentum behind him. Now it's a two-person race in the Republican Party. 
That is Donald J. Trump and Nikki Haley. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens in New Hampshire and then South Carolina, especially since the senator in South Carolina and friend of Nikki Haley actually just endorsed Donald Trump. That's right, Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, just endorsed Donald Trump. So this is going to be a really interesting primary. I think it's almost over, honestly. I think if Donald Trump gets over 50% in New Hampshire, and then especially if he beats Nikki Haley in South Carolina, she's done. She better just pull the plug. And then everyone better get behind Donald Trump. I know there are people that do not like him, do not like him as a person, but he is the person I see right now that will get us out of the mess we're in. Because he knows who's at fault. He knows what the plan of the globalists is. He knows how to stop it. So I think we all need to jump in behind and be supportive. And even those that don't like him, I swear, I think things are so bad in our country right now that even many people that do not like Donald Trump at all and, and despise him and, and disagree with him and his lifestyle and, and his, his, his uh, wealth and his wife and his kids and all that and, and his businesses, they, any, all of that, I think there is enough bitterness and disappointment in this administration and looking back on how their lives were under Donald Trump's leadership that many people that do not like him will probably hold their nose and vote for him in this next election. Mark my words. All righty then, let's proceed, shall we? <laughs> All right, the first thing I want to talk about is the Chevron law or the Chevron deference and what it means that the Supreme Court is actually looking at this 40-year-old legal framework right now. You see, back in the 80s, during the Reagan administration, there was some vague language in the Clean Air Act. And at the time, they allowed the EPA to interpret that language in favor of business, because at the time there was a lot of deregulation going on uh, with the Reagan administration trying to stop all the overregulation that was happening. Now, the really interesting thing is at the time, this decision, because it was pro-business, was embraced by conservatives and considered a wonderful thing and a big loss for the environmentalists. But that has now flip-flopped. Now, Chevron is seen as giving these agencies more power and letting them run amok and basically grow government bigger and more powerful and cause the government to overreach because of the vagueness of the language in these laws. Now, this is, like I said, been on both sides, was embraced by conservatives, now shunned by conservatives. The reason why this is really interesting is because it's pretty neutral. Uh, at the time, the only stipulation was that the Clean Air Act was interpreted in favor of business. But because the attitude about the environment especially has shifted so dramatically that now it's actually working against businesses and giving these agencies the power to make regulations that are stifling to business. In particular, the fishery business right now is what this is all about. One of the cases being evaluated is a rule that actually requires commercial fishing vessels to pay for professional observers who will monitor their catches and ensure they comply with the National Marine Fisheries Service regulations. And I'm reading a lot of the stuff that I'm explaining from the Harvard Gazette and an interview with Jody Freeman. She is uh, the leading administrative law expert and Archibald Cox professor at the Harvard Law School. And she explains that what this law is really about is with those, the vague language in different languages, do 
unelected officials and bureaucracies in agencies, are they allowed to interpret that themselves and then impose fines and restrictions that can be detrimental to business on businesses? The reason why this is this is involving fisheries right now is I don't think the fisheries have any problem with requiring a paid government official to be on their vessels to make sure that they're complying with this National Marine Fisheries Service regulation. But the problem is it's also requiring that these fisheries pay out of their own pocket the daily pay for these observers to be on their boat. And it's very large pay. It's more than many of the fishers make on the boat. But this is required by the government and the fisheries or the, the, yeah, the fisheries are required to pay this out of their own pocket. So the big issue is not whether the government can regulate these things, but whether it ha- whether they can force companies to pay for very expensive observers to comply, to make sure they comply with these laws. And the reason why they're bringing these cases in front of SCOTUS now is we now have three new conservative justices. And uh, petitioners think they have a majority uh, or a supermajority of votes to finally overturn or at least limit the Chevron deference. And the Chevron deference basically gave Chevron uh, an exclusion from this, these regulations in the Clean Air Act because Reagan gave them sp- gave the uh, EPA specific instructions to interpret the language pro-business. And I think that restriction is no longer valid. And I think this government is trying to do everything they can to hurt businesses that go against Clean Air Act and EPA regulations because the attitude towards clean air and global warming and climate change has dramatically changed. Now, as Jody Freeman explains in this article, and I'll read this right out of the article, uh, the question is, if the Supreme Court limits or overturns Chevron, what are the potential ramifications for federal agencies, the lower courts, and lawmakers? And Ms. Freeman says, Chevron does not matter much to the Supreme Court, which largely ignores it, but it does matter to the lower courts which have to constantly fight litigation, uh, challenging agency interpretations of every kind, from the most general to the most intricate. When statutes aren't clear, courts consider whether the agency interpretation is sensible, well-reasoned, and aligns with the statute's design. If so, the agency wins. Without Chevron, federal judges may get bogged down in intricate questions of statutory interpretation which require scientific, economic, or technological expertise. Policy choices that are better suited to agencies with research and information gathering capacity and obligations to consult stakeholders will increasingly be made by federal judges who have none of the expertise necessary themselves. So, that's really going to be interesting to watch because... If the Supreme Court does overturn it or limit uh, Chevron, it's going to put a big burden on the lower courts because they're going to have more and more litigation over language in these regulations. So that's just something I thought you might want to know about. And uh, you probably are hearing about Supreme Court is, is, is looking at Chevron or revisiting Chevron after 40 years and probably not understanding what it means. That's what it means. All right. And my two cents, I know it's going to put a huge burden on the lower courts, but I think Chevron should be limited greatly or even eliminated. I do not believe these federal agencies, which were not elected, these were non-elected bureaucrats deciding what is and what is best for businesses involved in industries that require regulation, like from the EPA and the SEC and other agencies like that. I believe our founding fathers 
intended for courts, for the judicial branch to interpret language that is too vague to understand clearly one way or another. I do not believe that power should lie within agencies. Even though justices don't have the expertise, they can listen to the experts and decide what is right from what they hear. That's my own opinion, of course, as all of my podcasts are. (laughs) I, I speak very definitively, but like I've said over and over again, these are all my opinions. If you agree or disagree, you're welcome to write me. Please don't hesitate. Drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. All right, before moving on to my next topic, I just want to ask you one question. Are you thinking of starting a podcast of your own? If so, I would suggest you use Podbean as your host website and app. I use Podbean myself. All right. And every time I finish a podcast and edit it and change it to MP3 format and then upload it to Podbean and then write out my description of each episode, Podbean, then when I click publish, Podbean disseminates it on all the social media sites that I have it connected to and all of the podcast listening apps that I'm connected to. So with one click of a button, you can upload your podcast all over the world. And it's very, very simple and very affordable. So if you want to start your own podcast, or if you're looking for a great hosting site that's going to help you disseminate your podcast to all of the podcast listening sites, I would highly recommend Podbean. That is the site I use. Every time I upload my podcast, on to the Podbean website and write out my description. They, I push upload or, or publish, and it goes everywhere that I have connected to the Podbean website. So it goes to Spotify, it goes to iHeartRadio, it goes to podcasts all over the world and different podcast sites all over the world. So if you want to start your own podcast or if you're a professional and you just want to figure out a way to spread your message wider, I would definitely suggest Podbean as your hosting site. And if you go to Podbean through my link, you will get your first month free. So, and it's very, very inexpensive to uh, uh, host the podcast every month or every week I upload uh, podcasts and it's just a small monthly charge. Very, very easy for anyone to afford, and it's very, very worth it. So if you want to do this and check it out, go to www.podbean.com slash bark. That's www.podbean.com slash bark, and you will get your first month free. And they have all kinds of great tutorials on there, and it's just, it's a great site. So definitely go check it out. And if you use my link, you get the first month free. How great is that? All right. The next point I want to talk about is what's going on in Texas. Uh, Of course, the liberals are losing their minds because they, the Texas National Guard, by the order of the governor of Texas, has kicked out the federal agencies out of a park where they used to basically keep a Thousands of illegal immigrants in lines to be processed by border agents and then put on buses and planes and flown all over the country on our dime to where they want to go. Texas got fed up with it. So they brought in the National Guard and they put in razor wire all over this park and rows and rows of razor wire and fencing along the riverbank of the Rio Grande River to stop illegal immigrants coming into their state. And the law that they are using is called the Compact Clause. And for those of you who want to know exactly where it is, it's Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution. This has been nicknamed the Compact Clause, which provides as follows. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, 
engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. So basically it says that the U.S. government doesn't have power to stop a state from defending itself against an invasion or imminent danger. That's when the states can override the federal government. And this is what's happening in the state of Texas. Like I said, the Texas National Guard has put up all this razor wire where all of these illegal immigrants were being just processed last week or the week before. And I think Texas can safely say they are being invaded. Yes, that's true. There are some people coming into the state that are fleeing oppression and horrible circumstances, but that is not, I repeat, not the majority. The majority, if you watch the videos, and I would encourage you, just go to YouTube. I, I don't know how many YouTube's going to allow you to see, uh, since their content moderation is insane, so much so that I have actually deleted my YouTube channel for the Watchdog's Bark. If you want to li listen to my videos on YouTube, you can't do it anymore because YouTube sucks, <laughs> for, for lack of a better word. They kept sending me so many warnings about my content and how I'm spreading disinformation and all that. That's completely false. I do a lot of research to make sure what I'm talking about is true. And if I ever make a mistake, I am not afraid to admit it. So the reason why Texas can justify what they're doing is they are being invaded because the majority, and like I said, you go look at the videos, the majority of the illegal immigrants being led into our southern border and being given NTAs, notice to appear in court, three to five to eight years from now, they are mostly single men, military fighting age men from all over the world, including countries that do not like us. There was an encounter recently, I think actually this morning, where someone asked, where are you from? And he says, you, you, don't, you don't know me, but you will soon. Um, excuse me? We, we will know you soon? So that tells me that person was saying, I'm coming into your country to do harm. You're going to know my name soon. And we now know over 300 people were arrested at the border that have been on the terrorist watch list. And like I said, that doesn't include the Godaways. So how many Godaway terrorists are in our country? Okay. Also, the drug and human trafficking cartels are purposefully flooding our border right now. And I would definitely say that since a majority of the people coming across our border are not coming across just because they're fleeing oppression and bad circumstances, that that is considered an invasion. And we also know that there are bad things happening with these illegal immigrants. They're, they're being arrested for drunk driving, for molestation, for rape, for uh, child endangerment. I mean. There are so many things. And like I said, we have so many people coming into our country right now. It is inevitable that we are going to have another terrorist attack as big as 9-11, maybe bigger, hopefully not. But I, there's just no way we can avoid it now. We have no way of knowing how many terrorists that have, have been allowed to come in through our southern border based on this administration's border policies. This administration, Joe Biden, could stop this today. And we have all these Democrats saying, oh, Republicans don't want to solve the issue. They just want to use this issue to gain votes. And no, that's not true. The reason why the Republicans are so upset is the Democrats are not enforcing the laws on the books. They are purposefully not enforcing the laws that are already on the books. And if Joe Biden really wanted to stop this illegal immigrant invasion, and yes, it is an invasion, he would implement 
some of Trump's laws. The most effective seems to be remain in Mexico law. That means while someone is awaiting their trial to assess whether or not they have an asylum claim or not, they have to wait in Mexico. You know what happened when Donald Trump had wait in Mexico? A lot of the illegal immigrants came to the border, sat there for days and weeks and threw their hands up and said, this is BS. I'm going back to my country. This is crap. You know, these are horrible conditions. But no, our country and this administration welcomes them in, gives them free phones, gives them a free ride via bus or airplane to any city of their choice in our country, puts them up into $500 a night hotels, pays for their insurance, pays for their medical bills, gives them social security benefits in some areas. That is an incentive to come here. Remain in Mexico is called a deterrent. We need more deterrence, less incentives. So yes, I 100% stand with Texas and their right to defend their borders against this invasion. And next we talk about Anthony Fauci. He was recently being deposed in front of a congressional committee asking him very specific questions about what happened with the pandemic and how they came up with the rules that they did. And come to find out, there was absolutely none, zero, nada, zilch scientific evidence about the six feet distance. Remember all those stores that put those dots six feet apart and got really mad at people when they went, dared stand in between those dots? And remember the stores that were having us go down one aisle one direction and down the other aisle another direction and all of that? That was all not necessary and all not based on any scientific evidence that it would curtail the spread of COVID. And Anthony Fauci recently admitted this. He also admitted there was no scientific backing to the effectiveness of masks. And what you need to realize, and I think I said in another podcast, but I will definitely point it out again. The coronavirus is an aerosolized virus. It does not exist on surfaces, all right? So we never had to wipe down all the surfaces we had to wipe down either. I remember working at a car dealership and the poor um, administrator or, or receptionist, like every 30 minutes came around and wiped our desk down with these Lysol disinfectant wipes. Our dealership smelled very fresh, but it was insane, and all of the measures we took to social distance and all that had no effectiveness whatsoever. And masks, I still, I still see people wearing masks. How the hell are you that brainwashed? And I, I, now I, I really honestly understand. Like I've told you before, the two most effective emotions used in brainwashing are hate and fear. And the media and social media use those two things very effectively. They told you to hate Donald Trump. Hate, not disagree with, not dislike, hate. And then they scared you to death with the coronavirus. And I still I'm waiting for the actual numbers of people that died from the coronavirus, not with. There are those, there are many that died with the coronavirus, meaning if someone died in a car crash or was shot to death in the street or died of cancer, and then in their autopsy, they were tested positive for COVID, that death is marked from COVID. And that is 100%
misleading, and false. So, the most detrimental of all of this is Anthony Fauci just said, oh, well, these things just appeared while we were determining what was best for everybody. All of a sudden, people thought about social distancing and wearing masks. Well, like I said, the coronavirus is aerosolized. It's 0.12 microns or 0.012 microns in diameter. And masks, even really good masks, only protected you from one micron and larger. Most of the cloth masks and the neck gaiters and stupid things, bandanas people put over their nose and mouth thinking they're protected, those protect three microns and larger. So it's like throwing a very small marble through a chain link fence. Every once in a while, it's going to bounce off a piece of cloth or something, but mostly that aerosolized 0.01 micron in diameter coronavirus will float right through that mask, can go in your eye, can go in your ear. The masks had no effect whatsoever, period, at all. And the one thing that upsets me the worst is what was done to children. The people at the CDC and the uh, NIH, National Institute of Health, and other agencies, World Health Organization, knew within the first month, this is true, they knew within the first month that coronavirus was not deadly to children. Now, yes, some children died from coronavirus, but they had three and four comorbidities. They were either morbidly obese with diabetes and had asthma. They died from coronavirus, but no healthy children died from the coronavirus. And these agencies, as we were just talking with the Chevron law, these agencies controlled what we did and didn't do with the children, even though they knew after one month that the coronavirus was not deadly to children. They didn't have to shut down schools. They didn't have to put up barriers. They didn't have to make children wait out in sub-zero temperatures to eat their lunch. All of these things were barbaric and not scientific-based at all. And shame on Anthony Fauci, the NIH, the CDC, the World Health Organization for forcing this on the children and using them as pawns in their satanic game of power. And yes, I do believe it was satanic. I believe it was evil-inspired. And as I've said before, some people say, well, they had good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. All right, that's all I'm going to say on that because I get really riled up about that, especially what they did to children. I'm just... What our schools are allowing to happen to our children in regards to being locked out of school because of illegal immigrants, locked out of school because of coronavirus, and forced, young girls are forced to, shout, to share bathrooms with boys that are saying they're girls. This needs to stop. I think my next podcast is going to be all of the ways that we can protect our children. All right. Okay. Now, before I move on to the next thing, I want to talk about, of course, my favorite vitamin supplement, and that is the New Skin Life Pack Nano, right? This vitamin supplement is above and beyond anything I've ever taken. I do my green drink. I do my supplements in the morning, and I have so much energy. Uh, everybody wonders if I'm on coffee. <laughs> no, I am not. I start off my entire day with my green drink and my supplements from New Skin. So go check out LifePak Nano at New Skin. Now, it's a little more expensive than other vitamins, but that's because they work and other vitamins don't. <laughs> As I told you, I talked to a guy cleaning porta potties and he admitted they find vitamins in the bottom of porta potties that you can still read the label of the pill on. They use a vegetable shellac, so it'll go down your, your esophagus easier. But then it never dissolves. 
You are wasting money if you are paying for store-bought vitamins. They do not have the efficacy trials. They do not have the double-blind trials that the new skin vitamins life pack have gone through. So go check it out on the website I've created for you, my listeners, through the website. And I'm partnering with New Skin. It's twdbark.mynewskin, N-U-S-K-I-N, not at N-U-W, N-U-S-K-I-N.com. So once again, twdbark.mynewskin.com. All right, and in Davos, we have our wonderful elites that fly their jet airplanes across the world into Davos, Switzerland. And then they spend a week lecturing the rest of us about climate change and how we need to get to a net zero And it's our responsibility to all drive electric cars. Well, I'm telling you right now, the people in Davos, you haven't been to the Northeast and the the Midwest in our country with sub-zero temperatures. And those electric cars are basically very expensive road statues (laughs) because these cars run out of energy in the ice, ice cold. Lithium ion batteries actually start decharging or losing their charge in weather temperatures under 20 degrees. So, do you think that electric cars really are the future? And also, as I said before, by trying to force everyone into electric cars legislatively, you are giving China the upper hand world wide because china is the leading producer of these rare earth minerals that are necessary for the batteries now i work in an industry that's considering moving to electric and i'm telling this industry right now the truckers industry do not support moving to all electric trucks because the batteries weigh so much more you're going to have less cargo that you can carry in those trucks because the batteries are going to take up much more of the weight that you are accountable for when you go to the weigh stations and the, in each state that you're traveling in and out of, that you'll be carrying less cargo and be making less money. And these electric batteries only last for about 300 miles actually a little less in most conditions, but let's say optimally 300 miles. Then you have to stop and charge those batteries for periods of time that sometimes range from 30 minutes to two or three hours, depending on how powerful the charger is you're charging with. If you're going with the superchargers, just 30 minutes. So just imagine every 300 miles, my trucker friends, stopping and waiting 30 minutes for your truck to charge back up. And that's only to about 80%. So then you're only going 200 miles from now on. If you want to charge it all the way, each time it's an hour. It's 45 minutes to an hour with a supercharger. So imagine driving 300 miles, pulling over, charging for an hour. Driving another 300 miles, pulling over, charging for another hour. Driving 300 miles, pulling over, charging for another hour. How much more time is that going to put on your trips and how much money is that going to take out of your pocket? Think about it. All right. So again, all of these wonderful, caring, um, definitely not um, autocratic or tyrannical kind of leaders at all. No, they, they don't want total power all over the world. No, they don't want world governance and they don't want world power and world economies. No, no, no. They all want what's best for us. And they are all hypocrites. They all use giant carbon footprints to fly all over the world in their private jets and on their yachts and in their 
SUV motorcades because they're so important. And then they tell us this whole week while they're in Davos, they come up with more ways to limit how we can use energy. And do you know why? So they can have all the energy they need. It's only us peons that need to follow the rules that they set up. They have no intention of following their own rules. Look at what happened to John Kerry recently. He's justifying the fact that he had to fly into Davos because he flies all over the world doing such good work. And he pays carbon credits to offset all of that. Well, you know what carbon credits are? Carbon credits are rich people's excuse for continuing to use energy at the level they have grown accustomed to. That's it. They, will, they believe if they pay enough money, that should allow them to keep using as much carbon as they want to. And those that can't afford to pay those carbon credits, well, then you have to restrict your energy use, don't you? Do you understand how this is all working out? Yeah, that's what's happening. Oh, and by the way, this week, the World Economic Forum in Davos thinks that misinformation and disinformation is the single biggest threat facing our world right now. <laughs> and they actually do that. They actually mention this in particular because of independent content creators huh, like me and the danger of them spreading misinformation and disinformation is at an all-time high. In other words, we would like to um, ban free speech worldwide, and we would like to restrict those topics that you are allowed to talk about. Because we have the power. Don't you understand that, little peons? We're the ones that regulate what you can and can't say. And if it doesn't go along with the narrative, we're going to make your life very, very, very hard. Do you see this going on, friends? This is really honestly happening. Okay. All right. Really quickly, I got to touch on this one subject, and it's not going to take much information, but the E. Jean Carroll lawsuit. Many people are saying that because... E. Jean Carroll won the civil judgment against Donald Trump for $5 million. That proves that Trump was guilty of raping her. And that is not true. That is not how the statute is set up. You must prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the crime was committed. And a civil lawsuit, and by the way, let me tell you how this started. The Lincoln Project, and in particularly George Conway, went to the New York court system and changed the laws that allowed the statute of limitations to be expanded so that E. Jean Carroll could sue Donald Trump for her allegation of rape at a department store. I think it was Bloomingdale's or something. Uh, in the 90s, okay? So the statute of limitations had run out on that. And the George Conway, and yes, this is Kellyanne Conway's ex-husband, uh, is now one of the principals in the Lincoln Project. And yes, the Lincoln Project, the, the, the leader of the Lincoln Project, was recently indicted for child pornography and child sexual endangerment. So no, let's just ignore that, though. But they went to New York and got the laws changed that allowed E. Jean Carroll to sue Donald Trump civilly. And the judgment was awarded to her a $5 million against Donald Trump. And everyone is saying, well, see, that means Donald Trump is a rapist. That's not true. That only means that a jury thought that E. Jean Carroll deserved $5 million from Donald Trump. And this is New York state where 90% of the state are Democrats. All right. And many people do not like Trump in New York state. Some people like him a lot because he's done a lot for development and especially in Manhattan. But there are many people there that do not like Donald Trump and felt that E. Jean Carroll deserved 
$5 million because Donald Trump has said over and over and over again, this never happened. And that E. Jean Carroll is nuts. Well, I can tell you right now, E. Jean Carroll has also sued other men for rape and has not won any of those suits. And also, she named her cats um, parts of a woman's anatomy that people wouldn't normally use to name their cats. I can't really tell you the actual word, but it has, it rhymes with the problem you have with your heart angina. And it starts with a V. Yeah, that, that's, that's one of the name of her cats. So again, people, a civil judgment awarding money to a plaintiff does not equal a federal crime does not need does not match a felony crime and that's what rape would be if donald trump was actually found guilty of rape he would be a convicted criminal rapist at this time but no one brings that lawsuit or no one actually takes him to court for that because there is no proof. And E. Jean Carroll can't even remember the year that this happened. So you make your own determination on that. All right. Now the final thing I want to talk about. This idiotic policy of prioritizing DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion in the hiring process in the airline industry. United Airlines CEO is very proud of the fact that they are prioritizing DEI in the airline industry. And in that picture, uh, in the article, I can't remember where I read, I think it was USA Today or, or one of the other publications. I read a lot every day. In that article, there was a picture on top of that article of a person with Down syndrome in a pilot's out uniform sitting in an airplane. And you need to read the actual article because it was a wonderful story about a Down syndrome person having a dream of being a pilot. And this small little airline made him pilot for a day, meaning he sat in the pilot seat. He wore a pilot's outfit. You know, he pretended to be a pilot, all of that. They might have, I think they even took him up in the plane. I don't think they ever let him fly it, but he was there in the cockpit flying in a plane and he was pilot for a day. Now, this is so sad in a couple of ways. Number one, they're exploiting the people with Down syndrome. I have met and I adore people with Down syndrome. They are the sweetest nicest, non-judgmental, most accepting people you will ever meet. They are basically children mentally, no matter what their age are, is. And it's my belief that they are, I, I believe, Pope, you know, my religious beliefs are that we come from the presence of God. We come down here on earth to prove our worthiness to return. And I believe that people with Down syndrome have already proven themselves so loyal and so obedient to God's principles, they do not have to prove themselves on this earth. So they're given this disability that doesn't hold them accountable. And the left and the idiots that are promoting DEI in everything now are using them to promote the fact that they want to put the a person's skin color, sexuality, gender before their ability for certain jobs. And in the airline industry, the reason why this is, gets me so upset is my father was a pilot in the airline industry for 35 years. Our family flew all the time. Uh, I, I flew every weekend over to visit friends in other states just because I could. And, uh, you know, uh, flying down to uh, Mexico and flying to different parts of the world just because we could. And that was wonderful. And the industry has been so successful for so long because it has 
very high standards for competency in their pilots and in their um, air traffic controllers and in their mechanics. They have very high aptitude, meaning ability. All right. And if this end, if United Airlines and heaven forbid, if the entire industry starts prioritizing someone's external features over their actual skill set and competency, it's going to make the industry less safe, period. I do not care if the person in the cockpit is 30 or 70 or gay or lesbian or trans or woman or man. I only care about their competency. And if, it, if an airline is putting their sexuality, their skin color, their nationality, their um, gender over their competency, they will endanger this entire industry. And I believe that it perhaps was the reason why we're having some things happen in the airline industry now. We're having a lot of near misses on tarmacs. We're having windows or doors blow out of the airplanes. And they discover later on that bolts were not tightened completely. And that's what happened. That's what caused that, that uh, emergency exit door to blast out of the airplane. Just imagine if a mother with a small child had that child on her lap and that door would have blown open. That child would have been gone. The airline that this happened to, uh, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was, uh, I, I can't remember. But they are lucky, very lucky that there was no death associated with this. Because I believe someone would have a very strong lawsuit against this airline and having mechanics that weren't competent enough to check all of the bolts around the emergency exit door. All right. So, like I said, this is driving me nuts because DEI is permeating everything. And I honestly believe I'm seeing a little bit of a switch in people's attitudes. I'm seeing people getting really fed up with this. And I believe, as I don't know who said it, but it was a brilliant turn of phrase. I believe that DEI is about to D-I-E. I believe DEI is about to die because I believe so many people are fed up with industries and companies all prioritizing DEI over actual competency. It's actually putting a burden on those companies and industries because they have less qualified people working in the positions that require really qualified people to work in. All right. Okay. I think that's enough ranting for today. <laughs> I'm going to end with a positive note, as I always love to do. This one is all about do not waste any more time. This is for myself <laughs> as much as it is for anyone else. This one really hit me. Listen to this. You know what I hear? I hear the clock ticking. And time waits for no man. Life goes by and it goes by quick. Don't waste those years. Don't waste them. Live them. I want you to be terrified of sitting on the sidelines and doing nothing. Waking up in six days or six weeks or six years or 60 years and being no closer to your goal. You've made no progress. That is the nightmare. That is what you really need to be afraid of, being stagnant. So get up and go. That idea isn't going to execute itself. 
That book isn't going to write itself. Those weights out in the gym, they aren't going to move themselves. You have to do it. And you have to do it now. Don't wait anymore. Don't think anymore. Don't plan anymore. Don't contemplate anymore. Don't make any more excuses or justifications. Don't rationalize anything else. No. Take the risk. Take the gamble. Take the first step. Take action now. No complacency. No backing off. No slack whatsoever. No more dreaming. Dreaming is over. I need specifics. What are you doing on Monday? What are you doing on Tuesday? What are you doing on Wednesday? You need to be very specific. It's time to put your pieces together of your puzzle. You need to be in a big damn hurry. Time is running out on you. There's 86,400 seconds in a day. The separator between me and you and people that win and lose is what we do with those seconds. And you're too slow. You're too casual. You think too much. You need to get in a hurry because there's an end to your life and it's coming sooner than you think. It goes by in a flicker and at some point it's going to be over. And we want to make a conscious, deliberate, determined effort to start living life with a sense of urgency and using what we've got, using ourselves up, sharing what we brought into the universe to share. Because if we don't, nobody else will. Stop wasting valuable time. If we begin to live our lives as if each day were our last, our lives will take on a whole new meaning. When you die, when life is over for you, I don't want you to have one idea left in you. I don't want one dream left in you. When you die, I want you to go for broke. Every CD that you were supposed to do, every book you were supposed to write, I want you to get everything out your system. We get one shot at this gig right here, life. So do not wait. Go forward. No more waiting for the perfect moment, and no more indecision, and no more lies. Take the action. Get out of bed. Get your feet on the ground. Step forward. Give every day everything you've got. Every ounce of energy, every bead of sweat, every drop of blood until your last breath. And don't let another day slip by. Boom. That's all I have to say about that. That is definitely geared towards me, too. I've been wasting a little bit too much time planning and organizing and making sure I do it just right. No, just do it. Just do it. Don't put off what you've been trying to accomplish your whole life. Some people are actually are afraid of success. Well, what happens if I do get all this success? Then I have all this more responsibility. And, and what, what if I get a lot more money? Then I'll owe a lot more taxes. And, and I'll have to hire an attorney or and, and uh, accountant you know, to keep track of it. All these things, many people actually get held back from their dreams by being afraid of success. And many people think that if they're successful, then they're not going to have any more free time because they're going to be working so hard at their dream and goal. Well, I have news for you. Go out and do it now. Put that hard work in now. And when it comes to the time when you accomplish your goal, You'll already have everything set in motion, all of the habits you need, everything to enjoy that success at the level you always dreamed you were going to enjoy it as at. So do not waste any more time. Do not put off what you really dream of doing. Just go do it. Don't come up with any more excuses, any more delays. Just go. Go do it. All right. And with that, that brings us to the end of another podcast. Thank you again for listening. If you have anything to say to me, positive, negative, motivational, tear me down. I don't care. Write me, Drew at the watchdogsbark.com. And until next time, and I mean this with all of my heart, create an amazing day. And please, Help me relay the bark.